Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. Uh, I love seeing uh, people just catching up and having a good time of fellowship. Uh, if you can hear my voice, if you're out in the lobby, grabbing your coffee, come on in. This is uh, the place to be. Thanks for joining us here at Trinity this morning. Thanks to um, uh, all of our volunteers that helped to make our Sunday mornings and everything throughout the week possible. Um, you know, it's an important part of who we are as serving. As, as you can see, our core values uh, are learn, grow, and serve. And that's because we learn the truth, we grow in faith, and then we serve. And we serve one another. We serve each other, and then we serve the world around us. And serving is an important part of being a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Because we are called not to be just hearers of the word, but doers also. And you know, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside each and every true believer in Jesus, gives us spiritual gifts. And those gifts are given to us to uplift the church and to edify the church and to bless and benefit the church. And so um, it is a blessing to see uh, so many people using their gifts and their talents to bless the Trinity family here. So thank you to everybody that serves and um, realize that uh, it's all done from a heart of love for the Lord and what he has done for us. Amen. So we learn, we grow, we serve. We'll do all three of those things together this morning as we pursue being disciples. I'd like to read to you uh, from Psalm 139. It may be familiar to you. Just the first uh, few verses. Let this be our call into worship this morning. I say often that we worship God in many ways because uh, sometimes we can equate music with worship. And music, of, of course, is a very um, popular and important way for us to communicate our love and devotion to God and giving him all the worth that is due his name, where we get the word worship from. But we worship God not only through music and singing together, but we worship God through the reading and hearing of his word. And we worship and honor God through our giving, through our fellowship, through our time of prayer. And really worship is to be a lifestyle. It's not something we just do on a Sunday morning or a midweek service, but worship is to be a, a part of our DNA about who we are. We have been created by our maker to worship him. And so we're going to worship our God together this morning because this is our time of celebration, church. This is when we get together on the beginning of a new week on a beautiful day like this and we praise God and we thank him for his goodness and his grace and we remind each other of those things. And it's a wonderful time of encouragement. And so, church, I, I pray that you would be not only challenged this morning by God's word, but that you would be encouraged. So listen to these words of encouragement from Psalm 139, and then I will ask us to stand and we'll pray into a time of worship through song. O Lord, you have searched me, and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. 
and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is even too high. I cannot attain to it. Would you stand with me, please? The word tells us that we are to behold the Lord together because he knows all and he knows us. So let's pray and then sing that we may behold him in his glory. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, for your glory. Lord, we know that uh, we have a day set aside where we will worship you for all of eternity. That day, that one day that we begin when we see you face to face, that we will begin an eternity of singing songs of worship, of bowing down to you, of doing whatever it is you have called for us on the other side of heaven. It will include us singing with all the angels and heavenly beings, holy, holy, holy for the Lord God Almighty. And we thank you, Lord, for this reminder to simply behold who you are to stand in silence, or to raise our voices high, to behold that you are God in all your splendor, in all your glory. May we do that now. So Lord, bless us even as we have come to bless you. For this time of worship is for you and for you alone. So we say thank you, and most of all, Father, we say thank you for Jesus, because it's only in him and his work on the cross that we can have this wonderful relationship with you, worship you, our God and creator. We thank you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's worship him together. Across the pages of time, he who made every living thing, behold him. He who heard humanity's cry, left his throne to wake as a child, he became like the least of us. Behold. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring light. Oh, be still and behold Him. in the lane even now he is in 
Praise God. Well, he is good and worthy to be praised, right? Our God is a great God. So please take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you in that great name. Hey, good morning. Um, just how about just just Elizabeth? Yeah, perfect. But thank you. It's okay. I'm not gonna comment, you know. But thank you though. Good. Yeah. Do me a favor though. If you could go back and get the uh oh, hold on. Since she's the one, give this to her. Okay. And then go tell um we're still talking. Every living thing Behold him He who heard humanity's cry Left his throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring light. Oh, be still and behold Him. He who died. just ask that you would uh, make your way back to your seat or somebody else's seat. If that's the way you want to go this morning, you could do that. But uh, praise the Lord for a good time of worship through song. Hallelujah, that we can uh, behold him and behold his greatness and just sing songs that help to uplift us and, uh, and help us when we lift up high our praises to God. And so we're thankful for that. Um, I want to say b- before we get into our what we normally do is called church life. I'll do that in just a second, where we kind of make some announcements and get caught up in what's going on in the life at Trinity. I just want to say so, something uh, special. I didn't kind of plan that, but you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, right before I read the call to worship scripture, that um, myself and the leadership are just very, very humbled and, and thankful for all of the people that volunteer here uh, just to to help. The church family uh, thrive and to help ministries go and and be healthy and strong and um, you know I just want to give a, a special shout out to somebody that really doesn't want any kind of spotlight but Frank who sits in the back and runs our audio visual I just want to thank him thank you man. Um, 
You know, most of the time, serving is done behind the scenes, right? And I have the privilege of being up here, and, uh, you know, we, we get to, to do that. We have people come up and speak. But most of the, the ministry gets done um, behind the scenes. People don't know about it. And, uh, you know, uh, Frank has just been amazing at what he has been able to do and accomplish and learn. And um, there are so many things that happen here because of what he's been able to do um, that, you know, it's stuff we don't see, but I think that's kind of the way it should be, right? But the reason I bring this up now especially, as I'm thankful all the time, is because we're going to talk about worship this morning in a very particular way as we continue our study in Matthew. Um, but it was clear that our enemy, the Bible calls him the, the devil, was clearly at work trying to rob God of worship this morning. We had some major technical difficulties this morning, and uh, literally about 30 seconds before we began our service, we're not going to have any kind of musical uh, worship the way that we normally do. And uh, we knew, I mean, it's just obvious that that's what Satan wanted, because especially of what we're about to talk about. So um, so as uh, many of my friends like to say, not today, Satan, not today, right? So <laughs> praise the Lord. So we continue on, yep. Amen. So thank you, Frank, and we praise the Lord for what we're able to do. I mean, isn't technology something? Don't we, we just kind of depend on it now, right? And we assume that it's going to work, and it works until it doesn't, you know? And, uh, but uh, we're thankful for it all the same. But more importantly, we'll, we're thankful for volunteers and those who um, selflessly help out around here. So thank you. Um, and, you know, a good time to just say, if uh, you've been joining us for a while and you haven't yet begun using your, your spiritual gifts or your talents, to uh, serve the Lord here at Trinity, um, check out our website, talk to me, talk to uh, our elder, talk to one of the deacons about how you can get involved and uh, be a more active part of uh, life here at Trinity. Um, a few things, we've been mentioning these, just quick updates that we have our uh, men's and women's retreats. So the men's retreat coming up in October, uh, please go to our website, trinityallenwood.com and you can register, men get all the information about the, the dates, the times, and the cost, and you can pay for it right online as well and register, leave your deposit. But please make a note of that. You can do that. Women, of course, you have your retreat the week before, October 7th and 8th. We also ask, ladies, that you go to our website and, and RSVP there so we know how many people are coming. So we have the, the men's and women's retreats in October. Our uh, Bible studies, these are part of the men's and women's ministries, a vital part, but the, um, the Bible study for men, part of the, the ministry to men here at Trinity, is on every Tuesday morning, 6.30 to 7.30, and the, the women meet from 9.30 to 11. Uh, these begin again on September 5th, so coming up in a couple of weeks. If you've never joined, these are outstanding opportunities to go through books of the Bible. Uh, this uh, season will be going through First and Second Thessalonians. I think Colossians and um, Daniel. And so um, not all at the same time, but uh, we'll be going through it, but a, a great way to dig deeper into God's word. And so um, we love to offer these as part of our ministries and uh, part of our learning part, right, of our core values, learning and growing together. Uh, the Wednesday evening service that we have through most of the year, we took a break for the summer, but that uh, resumes on Wednesday, September 20th. This is that combined service that is held at the Allenwood Church right down the road. 
and also in combination with Shiloh Baptist Church from Manasquan. So we meet at Allenwood every Wednesday night, and we have our service together from uh, 6.30 to 7.30. And we have a prayer time after that as well. So we record a podcast. We have an interactive time of Q&A, and then we have a, a time of prayer after where all three churches are gathered. So it's been really wonderful, amazing to see what God is doing. So I'd encourage you to come and join us. And I'll also say this, if you know that Wednesday nights really don't work for you, but if you have a Wednesday night free, just come and check it out. Even if you can't go regularly, just come in and experience it once. I know you'll be blessed how, however often you can go. But that is our Wednesday night service uh, that begins again on September 20th. Uh, we have baptisms coming up next month. Uh, so September 24th, as you know, the last few weeks, I've talked uh, a lot about baptism, especially as we covered a few weeks ago, the baptism of our Lord Jesus. It is a way to be obedient to him, where he told the church that we are to be baptized. And uh, we take communion as well, the two ordinances of the Lord for the church until he returns. And so if you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sin, then, uh, and you've done that in Christ and Christ alone, then you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says that we are to be baptized because Baptism is simply an outward expression, a very powerful one, but an outward expression of the change and transformation that's already taken place in our hearts. So baptism doesn't get us saved. It's not part of salvation. It should be a result of or a, a symbol of what has already happened uh, through saving faith in Christ. And so September 24th, if you um, have not been baptized and you're believing the Lord Jesus, come and see me and talk to me, and uh, we can baptize you right then on the 24th. And so we'd love to have a lot of people come out for that. So if you've been thinking about it, you've been on the fence about it, please uh, continue to pray about that and come and see me. Uh, our prayer gatherings are here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We do that up until September 20th when our Wednesday night service resumes, because remember, we have our prayer time right after that service. But until September 20th, uh, we have our weekly prayer gatherings here down the hall in our classroom uh, at 7 p.m. So for all those who, who desire to get together and pray, make sure that you put that on your calendar. It's every Wednesday at 7 here at Trinity. Um, our Trinity kids are a really important part of uh, our church family and that we minister to the next generation. The scripture tells us that we are to commend the mighty works of God from one generation to the next. So we are to do that. And we are doing that, but we're always looking for more volunteers to work with kids. And so I would ask, as I mentioned before, if you're not yet serving here, consider that to become a, a part of the important ministry here and the teaching team uh, to be able to, to lead and help with the kids. There's opportunities to just kind of be a, a classroom helper or to be a teacher or a leader. So uh, pray about that and let us know if that's something that you're interested in because volunteers are always needed. And then finally, just a reminder that uh, we want to continue praying for the people of Maui. Uh, there are many believers on the island of Maui and uh, many churches and uh, the, the brothers and sisters there especially need our prayers as people are understandably asking questions like why would God allow this tragedy to happen. 
And there is much grief and much trauma on that island from this disaster. Uh, and uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, but actually uh, my wife Claudia and I are leaving tomorrow morning on a, a short-term missions trip uh, for two weeks. Um, and we're just so thankful for our church family to support us uh, and to help us to go and most importantly to pray for us. But if you haven't been hearing, our eldest daughter Lauren and her husband Ben live there. They've been there for a while now, and they serve with the Maui Rescue Mission. It is a mission that's been around for a long time uh, to people that are struggling with homelessness. We call them the unhoused as well. And so there's a large population of the unhoused on, in Hawaii and on Maui in particular. And so um, now there's just uh, um, thousands of people that have been displaced. And so we want to be able to help everybody. And so we're going to serve Claudia and I with our son-in-law and daughter at the Maui Rescue Mission, working just right on the streets to bring help and hope to people in very tangible ways, but also, of course, doing so in the name of the Lord Jesus and being able to share the only true hope we have in this world, and that's in Christ. Amen. We'll also be helping out with their church there. It's called Hope Chapel. It's a large church there in Maui doing some grief and trauma counseling. And so at the end of our service today, we're going to uh, have some leaders come up and pray over us as we leave early tomorrow morning. Uh, but just want to remind everybody uh, that, um, uh, that we uh, want to continue to pray for uh, the people there at Maui. So, and we thank you for everybody that has been, for all of the kind uh, notes and checking up on our family that's there. We are extremely grateful for that. The last thing I'll say about that is that another thing that Claude and I will be doing is uh, seeing and praying about the potential for a future missions trip to Maui to work with the Maui Rescue Mission. They are not quite ready to receive teams, as you can imagine, just yet, but it's something they've been working towards and praying about, and so there's a potential uh, in the future, hopefully the near future, but when there is time, uh, and it's, it's the right time that we would send a, a, a group to go and help on the streets of Maui with the Maui uh, Rescue Mission. And so we'll be going and helping them to prepare for that, praying about that, and seeing what that opportunity might look like for us here at Trinity. So another thing for, uh, for you to be uh, praying about, because as you can imagine, whenever there is uh, a disaster such as this, and we've seen many before, unfortunately, that um, after FEMA leaves and they're doing their work and after the, the Red Cross and Salvation Army are there, the emergency capacity after they leave, the churches are there. And the Maui Rescue Mission is there to stay for the long term. And so we want to be able to support them and help them as best that we can. And, um, and so I just continue to ask for your prayers for that. Um, right now, uh, before we get into God's Word, I would actually want to invite Elizabeth to come up. And she's going to just share briefly about our outreach from last week. As she comes up, just want to remind you that we have, uh, if you'd like, you can just stay right down here. You don't have to come up. Oh, you are already. Okay, good. She didn't need my permission. Um, but, uh, you know, last week we had our outreach to, to Lakewood. And uh, if you're not familiar, just about every month our missions team puts together an opportunity for us to get outside of these four walls and to go bring the gospel of grace to different places in different ways in our community. So we did that last week in Lakewood. And so Elizabeth, who's part of our leadership team for missions, is going to, to share a word of testimony. Did you give that on? Okay. 
Good morning, everyone. Um, first thing I want to say that um, it was a blessed Sunday last Sunday, although every day is blessed. But we did it a little different this year in Lakewood. What we did is we set up a tent. We put a table, we put chairs, literature on the table. And the guys went out into the town and spread the gospel. So that was something different we didn't do. I just want to say that I learned on this outreach that we give out blessing bags, we give out literature, we pray. But we also listened. We listened to them. We asked them, do you want prayer? Yes, I do. What do you need prayer for? And that opened the door for them to tell us every need, everything they feared, everything they wanted. And we knew exactly how to pray. And to let them know they're not alone. And to let them know that God loved them. So family, sometimes we just have to listen. Just listen. Listen to them. They have a lot right here that we don't even know about. And there was one girl in particular, Yvette. She stole our hearts. She said, I want to help. Can I get some blessing bags? And told Angela and Maureen, come on, girls. I'm going to take you around over there. Can I have some blessing bags? Yes, you can. Of course. And, they t and she took the girls around the other side and showed them around. My brothers and sisters, I know we say this every month, and I'm going to be brief after this. Grab a blessing bag. Get in your car. Pray to the Lord before you turn on that engine. Lord, please lead me. Holy Spirit, please lead me to someone. And trust me, the Lord will. The Holy Spirit will. I could testify to that. Don't be afraid. If you have time and you're at a 7-Eleven, quick check, whatever, and you see somebody, you know. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you that one. Offer them something to drink, something to eat. And if you have time, sit down and listen. Listen to what they have to say. Because there's a lot that we don't even know. So that's it for now. I don't want to take more of your time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. God is good. And God bless. Hopefully you're encouraged every time we get to hear testimonies from people that have gone out on outreach. And thank you so much, sister, for sharing that. Um, you never know who you're going to meet, who you're going to talk to, who might be willing to share their story. And so... Just showing up and listening, we might call a ministry of presence, is so important and so valuable, more than we can ever know. There's many people that are struggling all around us, and they have no one to talk to. They've burned bridges. Um, everyone is looking out for their own well-being. And so just to have somebody to listen, to talk to, to care about, 
That's so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'd like to pray, and um, then we'll open our Bibles together. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for all that you've been doing here already. Trinity, this morning, beautiful time of worshiping you, our great holy God. Hearing from your word, hearing from Elizabeth about a powerful testimony and the opportunity to share the gospel through simply sharing, providing immediate need with a blessing bag. That's what you do with us, Lord God. You do meet our needs. You you are our provider, and we're grateful for that. And thank you most of all for Jesus, because he has provided for us the most valuable thing of all, that is life and life eternal. God, now as we open your word, we know that it brings life. It is alive. And so transform us, God, by the renewing of our mind as we lay aside the things of this world and come before your word and hear what it is you have for us. So we say thank Thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do in us and then through us, through your powerful word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the temptations of Jesus. As we continue in our series through the Gospel of Matthew called King and Kingdom, and in a moment I'll kind of give a brief review, but this morning we are in Matthew 4, verses 8 through 11. So I would ask if you brought your Bible or if you use your Bible app on your phone, please turn to that now, Um, and we will read it together in, in just a minute or two. But Jesus has been tempted by the devil while he was in the desert. And if you remember, Jesus was baptized, and it, in effect, began his earthly ministry. And right after he was baptized, he was then tempted in the desert, by, in the wilderness, by Satan himself. God allowed uh, the devil to bring Jesus to that place to tempt him. And we know that we see these three temptations of Jesus at this time as he is being prepared for ministry. And yes, that's one of the bigger themes that we learn from these accounts of his temptations is that there is seasons and times of preparation. And oftentimes in our lives, preparation means difficulties. It means trials. There's that old illustration of the caterpillar who cannot turn into a beautiful butterfly if it does not struggle in the cocoon. It's that struggle that allows it to fly. And so we know that there are often difficulties and trials in our lives that God allows for him to use us. We could probably all think of things in our lives that God has used, maybe physical or mental ailments, illnesses, difficulties, loss, things in our lives that God has used for his ultimate purpose? Well, God is doing that with his son because he sent Jesus on a mission, and Jesus was all about his mission. And so Satan, right away, before Jesus hardly even got started with his earthly ministry, Satan is trying to thwart God's plan. Isn't that just like the deceiver, our enemy? And so we saw that Satan tempted Jesus because Jesus was hungry. He had been fasting. He was hungry in the desert 40 days, 40 nights. And 
So Satan tempted him. He could turn the rocks and the stones into bread so he could eat. Jesus said, no, why? He gave him scripture as it is written and does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then Satan tempts Jesus as well and brings him to the highest pinnacle on the temple in the middle of his city, the city of David, Jesus' future city. And he says, why don't you jump, Jesus? Because the angels will protect you. And, and Satan then says, I can play this game. And he gives him scripture and says, angels will take charge over you. But Jesus knows he's trying to get him to do something apart from God's will. So again, Jesus gives him the word, right? Not to be tempting God. And so finally, we come to this third temptation. And what's happening here is probably the worst of them all. The other two kind of lead up to this one. And Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain, a high peak. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world, and he offers them to Jesus. Now, quite an interesting temptation. But in essence, what Satan is doing is he's saying, Jesus, I want you to worship me. See, God desires worship. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of our sin, we become worshipers, see. God is looking for more worshipers in heaven and for all of eternity to worship him in all of his glory. So then if that's the case, what does God's enemy, our enemy, want? To rob God of worship. So what better way to tempt Jesus, the very son of God, than to say, I'll give you everything you've ever wanted. All you have to do is one thing. Worship me. Sell your soul to the devil. That's a theme that is pervasive throughout human society. We see it in films and music and novels, selling your soul to the devil to gain something. We see it actually in a, and also in a lot of comic book, comic book stories, DC Comics and Marvels. A lot of those, those heroes from the comic books, we see them or even the villains, they come to this place where they are tempted and presented with an opportunity sometimes with altruistic intentions to save humanity. But all they have to do is sell their soul to the devil. But that temptation is usually to gain power and prestige and personal gain. Let me ask you, church, this very uncomfortable question. What would you do? What would you Sell your soul to the devil to achieve. What if you could be the richest person on earth? What if you could be the absolute most powerful person on this planet? What about even something that sounds so good, like if you could cure every disease... If you could bring about world peace, and the enemy came and said, I will give you the power to do all of this, whatever your heart desires, all you have to do is worship me. All you have to do is give him your allegiance, your devotion, and you could have everything you ever wanted. Never struggle again financially. 
Never worry about disease. Never worry about not having any kind of influence in the world at all. Today, there is so much placed on celebrity and fame. I mean, it always has been. It just seems like it's more and more. What if you could be the most famous person that everyone on the planet adores? Would you sell your soul to the devil for that? In essence, would you worship him? See, because that is what the devil is tempting Jesus to do. Uh, In one of his classic works called The Screwtape Letters, maybe you've read that by author C.S. Lewis, he writes this uh, satirical account, if you haven't read it before, of a a, a demon who's kind of like a senior demon. It's, It's fictional, it's satirical, but it's about this senior demon named Screwtape who is writing these letters to his nephew, who's sort of like a a up-and-coming demon. His name is Wormwood. And he's kind of mentoring his nephew, Wormwood. And he's writing these letters to tell Wormwood, this is how you tempt humans, right? Because the picture in this fictional account by C.S. Lewis is that there are these two demons, and the older one, more mature, is is writing these letters to his nephew and telling this is what humans are like and this is the the kind of strategy that you need in order to tempt them because inevitably they're pretty weak and they'll give in. This is how you are to do it. So he mentors his nephew in the ways of tempting humans but with the ultimate goal of getting them to sell their soul to the enemy and to worship him instead. Now listen to this, in one of his more insightful bits of advice, Uncle Screwtape, he comments to his nephew about how to tempt humans. Listen to what he says. He says, indeed, Wormwood, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. See, what he's saying is that the ways and wiles of the enemy are subtle. It's not very often that our enemy will come to us with an offer to tempt us like he did with Jesus. I'll give you rule and reign over all the kingdoms of the earth. Our enemy is not normally going to do it. It's normally going to be a series and sequence of small temptations and opportunities to compromise our faith and trust in God. That's what the enemy does. Jesus says that he's a deceiver from the beginning. We know that he is a liar. So Satan tempted Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus shows us in his response how to be aware of his strategies and resist those temptations. So let me read for you now. This is Matthew 4, 11 through, uh, 8 through 11, the final temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. It says this, So again... The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So again, 
we see in the Gospel of Matthew, this overarching theme, as we call it, king and kingdom, and this is important because we talk about context a lot, that Matthew is writing primarily to show a primarily Jewish, now Christian audience, that Jesus is that promised king, and that he's coming to bring a kingdom. He's the Messiah they have been waiting for for centuries. And so these young believers have believed in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, but now Matthew is giving an account saying he actually is, yes, and here is why. He is qualified to be that king, and he has come to offer the kingdom. And that is so important in understanding this last temptation. See, Satan pulls out all the stops. What does he offer Jesus? All the kingdoms of the world. Why did Jesus come to usher in the kingdom that had been lost to Adam and Eve in the garden? See, if you read the Bible, we understand that you can also read it as narrative. In a sense, we see these overarching themes much like a story, and that it begins where everything is good in the Garden of Eden, and God has created everything good. He's got this perfect relationship with Adam and Eve, whom he created. But then what happens? Satan enters and tempts Adam and Eve. Because Satan is a fallen angel. And what does Satan want? Everything opposite of what God wants. So God has rule and reign over the universe. Satan wants his own kingdom. So God has created Adam and Eve on earth that God created. And he says, you are going to have dominion over this world and over the animals and everything. So Adam and Eve were his representatives. They're called theocratic administrators. So that was their opportunity. And so, of course, they abdicated that responsibility and that authority to the devil when they sinned. Because what happened when they sinned, they believed they could be like God. That was the downfall of Satan himself. And so... Jesus has to come back to redeem humankind and to bring about the kingdom on earth that God had set up. Because God, in essence, through Adam and Eve's sin, lost the rule and reign of this earthly kingdom to Satan. Of course, God is always sovereign, right? He's completely sovereign over all things. But God has allowed, in his infinite wisdom, for the enemy to be in charge over the kingdoms of this earth, because is not the devil called the God of this age? He is. And so we know that God has allowed him to have influence. When the, the scriptures talk about the world and, you know, in Romans 12, right? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say the world, that is the, the devil's system. in this broken world. So Jesus has to come back to bring salvation and to offer the kingdom to God's holy people, Israel, that God had promised to them. But of course, we know the story, they rejected him. But see, that's what Satan was coming, that's what Jesus was coming to do. So think about this. If that was Jesus' mission, to come and offer the kingdom and to bring peace for the whole world, And Satan, of course, is going to say, you know what? I'll give you your kingdom. I'll help you fulfill your mission. And you don't even have to suffer for it. 
For of course, the enemy is not all knowing like God, but he knows the scriptures. He knows many of God's plans. He knew that there would have to be a suffering servant. So Satan, in effect, is offering Jesus the opportunity to gain all that he came to gain, usher in that kingdom, to have rule over all the earth, and he wouldn't even have to suffer for it. All he'd have to do is bow down and worship the devil. And you know what? I don't even think that Satan was asking Jesus to worship him only. Because if he was saying, you can still worship God, but you still have to bow down to me too. Have your feet in both worlds, and you'll have everything that you've ever wanted. And that's what he was doing. So let's just briefly take a look at this. He says in uh, verses 8 and 9, again, the devil took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, of course, there is no actual mountain where you can see every single kingdom. So it was some kind of vision he gave him. He took him to a mountain, but he was able to see the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. And so what did the devil say to him? He said, I'll give you everything. All I have to do is fall down and worship me. Now, first we ask this question, were they his, meaning the devil's to give? Actually, they were. Because again, under God's ultimate sovereign hand, Satan had usurped that authority from Adam and Eve. And so Satan, yes, had control over the nations and kingdoms of the earth. And so Jesus knew that. So it was a bona fide offer by the evil one. And he said, I'll let you rule and reign over this. All you have to do is worship me. For he is called the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4 and the prince of this world in John 12. See, the devil always wanted his own kingdom. That's why he took it from Adam and Eve. But think about this, church. We talk about worship. It seems like the devil cares more about being worshiped and even ruling over the nations and kingdoms of the world. He was ready to give that up to Jesus just so he could be worshipped by the Son of God. We talk about the importance of worshipping our God. Remember, what does the devil want to do in the life of a Christian? He wants to rob God of worship by distracting us from worshipping our Creator. Whatever it takes to distract us, to discourage us, to get us to not come to church, to worship God together, to, you know, to decide, yeah, I'm not going to worship God now in the car. I'm going to do something else. Whatever it is, through music or reading of your word, however you're worshiping God in the moment, remember you have an enemy who wants to rob God of worship. It's what he always wanted. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 14 about Satan himself. It says these words, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is the pride of the enemy. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high God. That's the heart of the enemy. He wants to be like God. So, of course, Jesus knows, being God as well, that the kingdoms will be his one day. But see, remember, Jesus is hungry, he's thirsty, he's weak, he's vulnerable. Isn't that when the enemy tempts us most? When we're most vulnerable? When we are out of God's word? When we are weak and weary and allowing 
the world's system to influence, influence us and tell us who we should be. Listen to Psalm 2 just as a word of encouragement about, yes, at the end of the day, this all will be his. In Psalm 2, it says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord, because he said to me, you are my son, today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession, you will rule, with, you rule them with an iron scepter, and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. One day Christ will return, church, and he will rule over his kingdom on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem with an iron scepter, perfect and swift justice with mercy and grace because God has given all the nations of the earth to Jesus the Son as in his inheritance. The devil is trying to take away and steal away the inheritance meant for Jesus. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, this is his response, Go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So remember this three times. How does Jesus respond to temptation? With the word of God, scripture, as it is written, for it is written. All three responses come from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy, again, as I mentioned last week, was Moses writing, kind of recounting all that God had taught the people of Israel. They're going into the promised land, like, hey, you got to be worshiping God, and just remember, this is what you are to do. And so Jesus is giving those scriptures as his responses to the devil's temptations. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and what? He will flee from you. See, that's what we are to do. We put on the full armor of God, like it says in Ephesians 6. And we are told in James 4, 7, to resist the devil, meaning resist his temptations like Jesus was doing, and he will flee from you. Jesus resisted the temptations of the devil by using scripture, and then he finally says, be gone. Go, Satan. Why? Because James tells us if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Remember, it's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted. But it's when you give in to that temptation, when you consider what that is like. Remember, sin is a matter of the heart. Jesus said, you've heard it said that thou shalt not murder. It's true. It's in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, I tell you, if you have anger in your heart towards somebody else, you're already a murderer. See, because sin begins in the heart. So Jesus was tempted. He gave uh, the devil the response from the word of God once again. But first he told him to leave. He told him to leave because he resisted him. We're promised that the devil will flee. See, you can't have it both ways, right? And so Matthew 6, 24 says, you can't serve both God and money. Because why? The scripture he gave was this. You have to worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Our God is a jealous God, the scripture teaches us. He wants worship for himself because he is worthy and he deserves it. So we are told not to worship other gods, but to worship our God alone. Church, so we ask ourselves this question, what other gods are you worshiping? 
you know, it may not be like a golden calf statue that the people of Israel created when Moses was on the mountain getting these Ten Commandments. Maybe it is money. What is the thing or the things in your life that you are putting before God that you are trusting more than God? Is it a relationship? It might even be something that seems good because that's a deception of the enemy. Yeah, but it's, it's my spouse. It's my best friend. It's my children. Are you worshiping them in place of worshiping God? Is it power and prestige? Is it simply personal satisfaction and gain? And then closing, we get to this. So the devil left him because Jesus told him to go. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. I love that. There's no throwaway verses in Scripture, right? Why does it say this? I think also to show us that, you know what, in times of temptation and struggle and difficulty, God ministers to us. He'll send angels to guard and to guide us, to help us, right? We don't have to just lick our wounds alone. God is there with us. The Psalms tell us that he is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God cares for us, especially after he allows us to go through a time of testing and trial and temptation. He will be there for us through it. And on the other side, he sends angels to minister to Jesus. Jesus hadn't eaten or had anything to drink in 40 days, and he had been tempted. He was weary, body and spirit, emotionally, mentally, and the angels came and began to minister to him. God does not forsake us, church. Our most effective weapon against the lies and deceptions of the enemy is the truth of God. That's what Jesus is showing us, his very word. One final point before we close. You know, there's this interesting comparison, I don't want us to miss this, between the temptations of, of Satan to Adam and Eve to the temptations of Satan to Jesus. We know in Genesis 3, we see that the devil tempted Adam and Eve with physical satisfaction. Oh, you can eat of any tree, it says in Genesis 3.1. He's trying to tell Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree. Don't worry about what God said. You can have an abundance of food and resources in your life. You should be all about just personal satisfaction and about your comfort. Can we fall into that too? I don't want to go do that. I'd rather sit and watch TV. I, I, I don't want to fast and pray. I'd rather have my favorite foods, whatever that looks like. You can eat of any tree. What does he tell Jesus? Well, you can change all these stones to bread and eat and be satisfied. Satisfy your physical appetites. He tempts Adam and Eve. He tempts Jesus. He also tempts them for personal gain. He tells Adam and Eve, you won't die. You won't die. You get everything that you want. What does he tell Jesus? You can jump from the top of the temple. You won't even hurt your foot. You can do whatever you want. You could jump from there and you'll be fine. He appeals to personal gain, but Satan also tempts them to gain power and prestige, just like we are. He tells Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 5, you can be like God. Who is God to tell you what to do? You can be just like God. You can do what you want. God didn't say that you would die. He tempts them 
with power and prestige. You can be like God. And what does, in our passage today, the devil tempt Jesus with? You can rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. You can have of the world. You can have all that your heart ever desired. You can have that kingdom, Jesus, that you say you came to bring. You can fulfill your Father in heaven. You can fulfill his will. You don't even have to go to the cross for it. He tempts Adam and Eve just as he tempts Jesus. 1 John 2.16 gives us a summary of those three things. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. I'll say it again, 1 John 2.16. Everything in the world, that is Satan's system, the lust of the flesh, number two, the lust of the eyes, number three, the pride of life, it comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the three areas that the devil tempted Jesus when he tempted the first humans. Listen to these words that Jesus gave his followers about this choice. Who are you going to serve today? Mark 8, 34 to 37. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. And whoever would save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What can we actually offer? How does it even benefit us to gain the whole world but lose our soul? Jesus knew that.